Jordan Smith. I'm joined today by Kevin Corvo. Good afternoon. And Tim Hoffman. Hello there. And uh, return guest, visit number two, uh, director of the Hilliard Arts Council, uh, in the Creative Arts Council, rather, right? The Hilliard artistic... Creative Arts Council. No, the Hilliard, just Hilliard Arts Council, but I'm the artistic director of the Hilliard Arts Council. She needs no introduction. Robin <laughs> Brenneman. Robin, welcome to the Hilliard Beacon. Thank you. Uh, it's good to have you back. Last time we had you in was just prior to Mary Poppins coming mm-hmm. off, kind of one of the bigger productions of last season. Mm-hmm. You said uh, you've been holding fire all off season, ready to just unleash on on the the Mary Poppins phenomenon that was the hit of twenty twenty three. So let's talk about it. How did it come off in those in those big big performance days? Well, I, I, as I have said to anyone who will listen, it is the bar none hardest play I have ever directed in fifty years. Wow. Um, why? Because well, to start with. Um, we had some changes in our creative staff. Um, Ed Daniel retired, and I ended up having to hire a sound man, a lighting designer, a set designer, a props designer. Um, a, you know, I, I had all uh, all these people to coordinate. I had more production meetings for Mary Poppins than I've had probably put together for all our shows. Wow! Uh, because, in addition to the flying, which was huge. And a first for for you and for and Hilliard. For, first for the Arts Council, yes. I, I I had done it a couple of times at Hilliard Davidson High School when we did The Wizard of Oz. But this was the first time I had done it with the Arts Council, yes. And um, the sets are incredibly complex. Um, and in order to simulate flying, sometimes the sets have to be moving and be correct. changed and... Correct. All those things have to happen simultaneously, right. yeah. And so we had these huge things on wagons, um, you know, platforms with wheels on them that needed to be moved on and off by a team of people. Not a ton of backstage space, so, you know, people were having to climb over scenery. Um, I had one cast member in a wheelchair, so that added a little a little ripple. Um and then, of course, there were the other magic tricks in the show, like um, Mary Poppins pulling her, you know, things out of her carpet bag like a hat, you know, rack and all of that, and a, a kitchen that suddenly gets destroyed. So, I mean, there were a lot of moving parts and a huge cast and some young kids um, who were very talented, but those children in Mary Poppins are in every single scene. Right. Not a lot of time to recover. Not a well, lot of time a to lot regroup. Of lines, a lot of lines to memorize. And, um, you know, I needed to enlist the help of the parents. Uh, so it was it was incredibly complicated. And, um, I'm, I mean, it turned out to be incredibly successful. We had great audiences. Um, I got some beautiful feedback from people in the form of written notes that, you know, said, wow, you've turned me into a fan and really loved it. And, you know, so, I mean, it all, but I mean, I, it, it took a lot to recover from that one. (laughs) Yeah, really had to measure up the sum of your full experience and bring it to bear on a single production uh, under difficult circumstances, had a retirement of one of your trusted top people and and then had to count on people's professionalism count on people that you were basically hiring to do a job to come in and really infuse it with their talent but also 
uh, commitment at the same level or similar well, similar level, excuse me. Right. And we also, um, doing it at Davidson, we had, were working with the tech director there, Ellie, who um, is fairly new to the district and had never done a production of this scope before. So she was overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, if it weren't for people like Casey Hoffman and some of the other um adults who came every single day and helped painted and did stuff we never would have gotten it done yeah. um, a real so. lift it was a real lift for the for the company yeah so this year mm-hmm. recent kind of reframing for 2024 mm-hmm. when you're making the choices for what kind of productions you want to put on did having such a highly technical production like mary poppins in the prior season influence your your choices for this year a little bit Although, to be honest, our summer musical is a play called The Prom, and I had wanted to do it last summer, but was not able to get the rights because another theater company in town, namely the Short North Stage, is doing it. And they are a professional company, and when that happens, they trump a a community production like us. Mm. So I had to wait until their production was in the works, and it is, it's about to open um in a couple of weeks and uh, i had to wait until that and so i wasn't able to do the prom until this summer so mary poppins was kind of my plan b hey (laughs) (laughs) it's a heck of a plan b yeah wound up going over um, the river and through the woods for that one right so so (laughs) the prom is really a, a play that i have wanted to do now it does help that it is not anywhere close to as complicated as Mary Poppins. Um, The scenery is much more standard musical theater scenery. The Short North Stage has indicated that they're willing to loan us um, some of their set pieces, which is great. We plan to take full advantage of that. Um, Costuming is modern day, so cast members can use their own clothes to a certain extent and and, you know so um so the prom you know so backing up what goes into play selection there are a lot of different things that I consider one is is it a play that I personally want to do because of its educational um benefits because I think it is a good fit for the acting pool that we have available to us because I think it's something the community would love, like Mary Poppins, um, or because it perhaps attacks a a social issue that I'm interested in that I think is important. Um, The prom is going to be somewhat controversial, I'm going to be honest, uh, because it involves based on a true story about two high school girls who wanted to go to their prom as a couple. And um, rather than allow them to do that, they canceled the whole prom. Mm. And um, so then the fictional part of the story is that a group of -of out-of-work New York actors decide they need to improve their image. So they hear about this story and decide they're going to go to this small town in Indiana and help the little lesbian (laughs) Um, (laughs) put on on a show you know to go no to go to her prom oh I I see and um, so they descend on this small town and of course the small town doesn't know what hit them Um, and it has a really positive ending 
it has a positive message that, you know, we need to be accepting of everyone for who they are. Um, but I'm well aware that there are people in our community who are not going to be in agreement with that particular message. And um, I, I'm doing it because the high school kids cannot wait because a lot of them are dealing with these issues. And so they are feeling seen by us. And because a lot of most high schools are afraid to tackle it. Yeah. You're, you talked a little bit about um, community theater and what motivates the choice of material and things mm -hmm. like that. And a lot of that is your your professionalism, your background. You know what you're looking for from your audience, from your performers and all that type of thing. But you mentioned specifically the younger performers and things like that. Talk a little bit about that element of community theater, the volunteer element, the extensive volunteer work that has to happen at all levels. You mentioned uh, Tim's wife, Casey, volunteered for this last production and probably still on board for several more, I I'm sure. So. <laughs> I know you're. I know you're very helpful. And I've that. got her in Sweet Adelines now besides. So. There you go. One of these other things we'll be she talking about it. here soon. Um but talk a little bit about that element of things, how that volunteer facet of community theater differentiates it from almost every other performing theater group in the area or in any in any setting. Right, because many of the theater companies in town pay their actors something, um, even if it's a pittance. Um, if they still pay their actors something. And then, of course, we have professional companies like Short North Stage, and the Contemporary, which used to be Capco, but both of which are what we call equity companies. And in order to perform there, um, they have to hire a certain number of equity actors. So, um, and then, the, you know, they also hire other actors, but, you know, that's, that's way out of our range. Occasionally, we hire an equity actor to be a part of our, uh, we hired Jess Hanks, uh, who oh. is a graduate of Hilliard High School, um, who has his equity card, and when we did Music Man, we hired him. We had to make a special deal with Actors' Equity so that they didn't charge us too much money, but we still had to pay him. Mm. Um, so we don't do that very often. But the beauty of community theater, in my opinion, is that it allows adults, oftentimes entire families, to be involved in a production together. Um, you know, I know... Tim, your daughter, your daughter helped out, I think, with some set building, some yeah, painting. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, Charlotte um, and Lizzie were both and were, showing you know, up with Casey. And, and, you know, we had kids that were in the show with their parents. Um, it's a great opportunity for kids to learn because some of the actors that we get are as close to being professional actors as you can get without actually, you know, getting paid. And, and they so just they, haven't pursued it for one reason or another. Right. Man. And so they can share their expertise with some of these high school kids who may be wanting to pursue theater as a career. And um, it, it's just a, a, you know, and, and the adults get something out of it, too, um, be, because they're able to pursue a passion that they maybe had, but it wasn't practical for them to pursue as a career. So... Um, that's, you know, I think the beauty of community theater. And there aren't a ton of theater companies in town that are true community theaters these days. So, You have uh, the full 
2024 season ready to go mm-hmm. and already mm-hmm. selected and you're publicizing it. You brought some flyers here. We'll go through it now briefly uh, and quickly. Finding Nemo Jr. opens March 1st. Crimes of the Heart, your directed production, uh, April 12th. The Seasons of Love. Seasons of Love? That's it's the a, teen production. Right. That's new. Okay. That's another can, element of the youth theater. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, we, we will for sure. And then prom, uh, the prom, as you mentioned, July 12th. The Stinky Cheese Man and Other Fairly Stupid Tales, uh, <laughs> September 20th. I'd like to know a little bit more about that. <laughs> Songs for a New World, uh, November 1st. Is that the musical? That is a small cast musical, Small right? cast mm-hmm. musical, okay. And then December uh, 6th, A Christmas Carol, the right. time-honored classic. Yep. Uh, event and ticket info, as usual, at hilliardartscouncil.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can buy now. So yes. people should, and please do. But let's talk a little bit about some of these. You wanted to talk about the teen show, the new direction. Right. Maybe that can segue us into some of the talk we wanted to get into about some of the lesser known elements of the Hilliard Art Council sure. work. So um, we did Willy Wonka, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory last fall. And, af- and that is one of our four kids, by kids productions. So I, there are two of those. I created this company um, that is exclusively fourth through eighth grade students. They don't have to compete with adults for the parts. Um, It's all kids all the time. And it's productions that also appeal to children, hence the name For Kids by Kids. So they are doing a show for children. So um, we've done, you know, Finding Nemo. We did Annie. You know, we've done several musicals, and we've also done some plays. I was presented with a petition by um, some of the eighth grade cast members of um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because they were getting ready to age out of the Four Kids by Kids company and wanted us to do a teen production. A bridge. And I said to them, well, you all have your high school theaters. You know, why do you need us to do it? They said, because... We love each other. We've grown up together doing this, and we all go to different schools. Mm. And so they wanted an opportunity to continue to work together. Mm. Um, grow as a company. And, and grow as a company. So I said, I hear you. Talk to our creative staff. Linda Shepard, who is currently directing Nemo, is going to direct it. We decided to start small, and we can grow it. Um, so Seasons of Love is the theme and it's going to be a montage of scenes from plays, musical numbers from musicals. Seasons of Love happens to be from Rent, um, and uh, maybe monologues. Kind of like a vignettes approach. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, revolving around the theme, Seasons of Love. Mm. Um, I also want the kids to design their set, whatever it is, and it doesn't have to be anything huge because. We're, ta- we're not talking, a, you know, they can make it whatever they want. They're going to design their own costumes. Um, I'm going to bring in adult mentors to talk to them about how to design, how to run the light board, how to run the soundboard, um, how to do some scene painting. Um, so it's going to be a, hopefully a true learning experience all the way around, and it's going to be all kid-run so you've, um, you've got them through the fun part of learning to enjoy how to act and all these other things, uh, but now it's time to learn the logistics. Now right. it's time to learn what it takes to put one of these things together. Right, exactly. And hopefully 
you know, we get kids who are like, oh, wow, this set building stuff is kind of fun. And then the next time we are doing a show as big as Mary Poppins, maybe I have a few more kids that, you know. You're deepening your bench. Exactly yeah. right. And you never know what that will unlock for somebody. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Let's talk now a little bit about some of the lesser known elements of the Hilliard Arts Council, sure. some of the programming that you do with different performing elements of, in mm -hmm. different communities here in town. If you want, just pick a few and start us through how you go about that work. Well, one of the things, and I think I've said this here before, we like to say that we are a full-service arts organization, and not many are. Many of them focus on one aspect of the arts. For instance, Dublin focuses a lot on visual art. They've got wonderful public art and all of that um, maybe not as much um, music or theater you know but we try to do it all so we have um, an adult choir that is under the direction of Logan Fletcher who is a teacher in the school district teaches at uh, Hillier Crossing Elementary and Logan has grown this choir we used to just do Handel's Messiah at Christmas time we added a fall concert this year, and we are adding, a, and we have a spring concert. For Messiah, our choir suddenly went from like 25, 30 people to 80. Wow. It exploded. Hmm. And I have to give Logan credit for, you know, reaching out to his friends, those people, put, you know, so we had a huge um choir for messiah we are now victims of our own success because it means that there really isn't a church around that can host us so we had to do messiah at bradley high school this mm. year and uh, our spring concert will be at darby high school um so you know that's a great thing um we also have um a children's choir um a youth choir under the direction of meredith kennedy and similar to the Emeritus teachers at uh, Norwich Elementary, and similar to the adult choir, that choir exploded. And we had probably 60, 70 kids on stage for that. Wow. They are going to join us, uh, the adult choir, for our spring concert. Um, they rehearse um, after school one day a week. Um, one of the communities that kind of has discovered us is the homeschool community so a lot of um, parents who are homeschooling their kids but are looking for an opportunity for them to do music um, have signed their kids up for the kids choir um, and that's open to second through eighth grade um, as long as the voices are unchanged um, so we can't have guys who are <laughs> <laughs> who's who are singing bass um but anyway so both of those programs have exploded and have are very successful um so we have that choir those that choir concert that will be coming up in the spring um and then um i just finished booking our summer concert series um hired some local uh riviera royals you may have heard of them um and um uh shoot I can't think of the other local band, but also um, Antoine Fatout, who came last year. But I don't know if you, any of you remember Kelly Crum de la Veras. Hmm. Um, so Jimmy Crum was her father, oh. was a local sportscaster right. um, on Channel 4. And Kelly is an amazing jazz singer. Huh. And she, I haven't seen her around lately, and she's going to be performing 
with Antoine um, and doing some Brazilian jazz. So I'm super stoked about that. Um, we've got Grassanine, which is a uh, Dixieland band um, that's performing. Um, we're bringing back L.A. Chic, which we had last summer. The Sweet Adelines, of course, because um, I sing with them, so I get to decide <laughs> that they sing with us. Um so we've got starting June 9th all the way through September 1st, um, every Sunday except for the Sunday of the summer show. Um, so, and that, those are free concerts, 7 o'clock outside our building. Um, so we're looking forward to that. So those are kind of our two of our primary music. We also support the Greater Columbus Community Orchestra financially, um, and we support the Hilliard Community Band. Um, which is continuing to be, you know, started by John Crumley, a beloved band director in Hilliard. He passed away, but his wife and his uh, daughter and grandson are still keeping it going. Um, so we support them. Um, so that's kind of what we do with music. And then um, visual art, our galleries um, have expanded. Thanks to the generosity of Dan Vance's uh, family. Uh, Dan Vance was our treasurer who tragically died very, very young, um, unexpectedly, uh, from complications of diabetes. And um, his family had donated uh, a large sum of money that we used to renovate a second gallery space in our um, building. Mm. And so we had an art, we have art openings scheduled every couple of months throughout the rest of this year so we have refreshments and we're featuring different artists I know one of them is Dan Gerdeman who is an art teacher at Davidson High School and is now I think at the, an elementary school but he's going to be exhibiting his work um, you know so we we're we're pleased that more and more people are coming into the building give to people see. more reasons to pass through and right. make it a recurring stop right yeah. And, you know, we recently rented out. We've been doing a lot more rentals lately. Mm. Um, we had an Elvis impersonator who sold out his show. Um, and I loved watching the people walk into our building and going, wow, what a cool place. And looking at the artwork. And, you know, so the rentals really give us that opportunity to bring more people in that might not otherwise see our Do you remember his name, who the Elvis impersonator was? Tyler. Okay. Not the one. Yeah, no, yeah. not um, the guy that used to be around Hilliard, uh, Mike well, Albert. Well, that's another one, but yes. that I encountered another Elvis person. Tyler Christopher at, is his uh, name. There was yet another one that I met at the... Uh, Columbus Jewish Community Center. How oh, many really? Elvis impersonators we got on this ship? Well, <laughs> and yes, and you know, and there was a, a, a dance uh, company, um, a, an Indian dance company that just had a recital at our place. And, you know, so that's been really cool to see, you know, coming, bringing in people that haven't been in our building and, you know, sharing that with them. The summer concert series will also be the first to take place with the junction and those other things more fully open yes. and ready to support and be supported by like a bigger event taking place in the lot. So. Well, and I'm super stoked about the winery. Um, Joe yeah. Holabaugh, uh, who is... I up on that. Is that, is that. is that open and running now? Because no, I, I no not about even. it's opening for This Week News like 18 months ago. No, no. It's still under so construction. So it's still behind schedule. You can see the building down the street. It's okay. it's it's still... On, I, I'm, I'm following its progress very closely. Okay. I think they Firefly, probably... Right? Huh? Firefly. 
Firefly Winery. Um, Joe Holabaugh is the son-in-law of Ron Snyder, who is a retired math teacher teacher from um, Hilliard Mm -hmm. uh, High School. And um, so I've known Joe Joe for a while, and he promised that he's going to name a bottle of wine in honor of the Arts Council, and then we'll get a little cut every time somebody buys Ooh. one of those so i label, will be label fee act actively promoting that um but no so i you know it's going to be super exciting to have that there and i think that'll bring more people to our concerts and vice versa um of course the only issue is parking <laughs> sure um, but you know i think one of the things that we've noticed being down here and down and among old hilliard events and things is that Largely, they take place in one location. They don't always travel that well to the neighboring businesses and neighboring areas. So developing these kind of connections where you have an event, uh, an art, a cultural happening, and then you compare that with nice dining options and fun places to go and do and spend time with people you Mm -hmm. care about in community. That's what Old Hilliard is trying to do and be. And that's what uh, largely I think the cultural and uh, contribution of arts is to a community, creating these opportunities to bring people together and give them things to experience together. Right. Um, did either of you guys have any questions about any of the upcoming offerings or anything of that nature? Is I should there... mention we're hoping to do another film festival in May. Okay. Um, we did that last year um, with the help of some local folks that do film and um, just reached out to them today and said, hey, guys, it's time to start planning. So I'm hoping, yeah. What did the film festival look like last time? It uh, it's they were all short films. We had two divisions. One was for high school age kids, and we had several entries from that, and then adult entries. Um, and we had a full slate of of some really great short films. We had prizes. Mm-hmm. Um, Destination Hilliard was very generous with a grant that enabled us to purchase our own screen. That a pull-down screen, um, and then the city very nicely donated a projector that they weren't using anymore, and so it's mounted in the ceiling. So this year it'll be a lot easier to do this um, film festival. And so the films are made by people locally. Uh huh. Okay. Yep. I mean, there are some from outside of Central Ohio, but most of them are f- from Central Ohio. And uh, uh, my friend Lewis Gordon, who is um, a community member, um, has deep connections in the film community. So he helps spread the word and mm-hmm. um, help me pick the date that works in terms of not competition from other events. Um, so we're hoping that it continues to grow and, and it was another one that brought folks from outside our community who loved not only our theater, but thought what a cool vibe, old Hilliard. They went down to the, you know, center street market. They had a drink. They went to the local restaurants, um, and, and were really loved the fountain, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and really enjoyed our community. So um, you know, if that's another good good thing that hopefully we're doing. What I know about theater, I've learned from you, Robin. <laughs> Did the Arts Council do the Fantastics once? Uh, twice. twice. We've done okay. it twice. So I learned in writing a preview story about that for the newspaper, I learned that Jerry Orbach did something before he was Lenny Briscoe. So that those is are the kind of things not only that, that he, I learned from you. He was in, in uh, the original production of Chicago. 
He played the lawyer in I the had, original uh, production. So he had the role that Richard Gere had in the... Yes, he did. The, see, I had no idea that Jerry Orbach had Along Broadway Along with Chops. Cheetah Rivera and no uh, Gwen Verdon, who I, I got to see. So my question is, we have the 20, 24 seasons already um, fully scheduled. Right. Have you thought about what's for the 2025 season? And how do you choose what productions that the so, Arts Council is going to do? So... Uh, 2025 is going to be a special year because it is our 50th anniversary of the Arts Council. Um, Ken Brenneman's, my husband, started directing Messiah in 1975, and then that summer we did our a first summer musical. So we plan to really, um, and I, so... I, you know, how do I pick? Well, for the tw- for the 50th anniversary, I'm trying to pick some blockbusters. Um, you know, I, for instance, uh, Les Mis. Now, at the moment, it is currently unavailable. Hmm. So, you know, if I get the rights, I've done it before, but... Um, so, you know, but so picking a show for a special event like that, you know, I'd also love to do Chicago, the musical for our small cast musical, but right now it's not available. So that's to protect people's performances essentially in various markets. Is that the idea? There's a touring company of Chicago and there's a touring company of Les Mis. And so while there are professional touring companies, they don't No matter want, whether it's going to be appearing locally and Right. Any, okay. They don't want to saturate the market. Mm. So, you know, when Les Mis or Chicago comes to the Ohio or the Palace, they don't want people to say, oh, I'll just go to the Hilliard Arts Council. It's cheaper. And probably just as good, right? <laughs> of course, but of course. I'm kidding. But... Um, so that's so, but I, you know, I, I mean, obviously, community appeal is one thing, bringing in an audience, but not always. That was my next question. Do you try to find a balance between yes. plays that almost anyone would recognize and also right. trying to put a play on or a show on that, well, not everybody would, right. would know the title or the material? Well, and plays generally, like non musical plays, and I do one every year because. I, th- I like exposing our community to, you know, things that aren't musicals. Um, and there's some great stuff. We just did The Man Who Came to Dinner last fall, and it it's an old chestnut, um, but it's still funny. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Crimes of the Heart is, is a play that's been around since the 80s, but it's still got, you know, something to say. And um, a few years ago, I did the Laramie Project, which um, was not well attended. Uh, it's about um, Matthew Shepard. Um, oh, okay. And, um, you know, so sometimes there's a message that I'm trying to convey, um, something that I think our audiences, you know, may, might be interested in. And sometimes it's just to expose them to some good old comedy that's you know, still relevant and funny. Um, so yeah, I do. I mean, there is an educational aspect to some of the stuff that I, that I pick and try to balance that with something really popular like Mary Poppins. Um, you know, so, um, you know, that's uh, songs for a new world. You probably never heard of. Um, it's written by Jason Robert Brown the acting community has heard of it, believe me, because mm-hmm. he is very popular with the theater community. He wrote the musical Parade, um, which recently closed on Broadway. Um, 
And it's this that show is really a collection of some of his music. It's there's not a plot or particularly. So it's going to be a different style and people are going to be, "Well, what's it about?" Well, I mean, what's it's Fantasia about? about? It's, about what? it's it's it, it doesn't have a plot. It but it's some really great music and each song is a story in and of itself. So that's why I picked that one and the fact that I know I can pull in some some of the really great actors who are like, ooh, I want to do that show. Right. You know, so that's another consideration. Cost, of course. Songs for a New World is not going to be expensive because there's not a big set. It's mostly boxes that get moved around from one position to another, and the costumes aren't anything special. So that's going to be a less expensive show. Um, than Finding Nemo, where I have to make everybody look like fish. <laughs> you know. Don't think about what goes into that, but I imagine it's difficult when they're A, humans, and B, above water. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> difficult, difficult. So, yeah, so we're renting a lot of that uh, show, um, but it's not going to be cheap. Um, sure, and I'm sure that's one of the things that goes into those early considerations, the logistical choices that you have to make as far as budgets and things you can designate. Well, obviously Mary Poppins was going to be spendy. Right. Uh, The rest of the selection needs to be a little more Brechtian, you know, (laughs) a little more direct. Ooh, good theater reference. You know, I do my best. I try. I try. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that Robin recommends. I, I think maybe some of the current things that you're, reading, listening to, that you think people in Hilliard might be interested in. Robin's recommendations. Yeah, Robin <laughs> recommends. Um, from, from a theater perspective, I mean, we have a very rich theater community in Columbus. Mm. Um, I just saw The Color Purple down at Short North Stage, which was spectacular, the musical. Mm. Um, I am going to, uh, there's a little known company called, they used to be called Red Herring, now they're called New Herring. Um, And it's a really small, intimate theater space down uh, where Mad Lab Theater does stuff um, on on 4th Street. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's February 17th. They're doing a production of Love Letters um, by A.R. Gurney. Um, Love Letters is a play about two people, and and they stand at podiums, and they read these letters that they have written to each other throughout their lives um, when they first fell in love, all the way through their relationship. After a breakup, after rekindling, you know, that type of thing. Two of Columbus's premier actors, uh, Josie Merkel and David Allen Vargo, are starring in it. And I saw that and said, "Mm, I'm going. That's a ticket. That's a sale. They're doing a fundraiser um, on the 17th um, where they've got a couple of local restaurants and you pay $50 and you get some food and you also get this wonderful show. Um, so that's one that's coming up that I recommend. Um, gallery Players, uh, which is where I got my start on the east side at the Columbus Jewish Center, is getting ready to do the producers first mm-hmm. weekend in March. Um, they just did um, Fiddler, um, and then they're going to do Diary of Anne Frank in the spring. Um, and uh, the gallery does a great job with their shows. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of smaller... Columbus Children's Theater has completely evolved. Um, they don't do as many little... They have 
little kid plays, but then they also just did Ragtime, which was one of the best shows I've seen in a while. I'm sure just like your performers, they've grown together sure. in some respects, and they want to continue uh, working with each other. Sure. Oh, yeah. And, and they have a lot of more adults in doing shows. Um, so there are some some fabulous. And of course, we also have Ohio State University um, that, that one of my former students, Mandy Fox, is a f- professor in the theater department. And I can't remember. I think she might be doing. Well, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but um, Ohio State and Otterbein both have wonderful theater programs. Um, and you know, so I'm always I, working and always pushing the boundaries. I'm sure checking all the corners and finding the the things that are a little more experimental, maybe. Well, and universities can also do what I call museum pieces, um, shows like Shakespeare or um, The Country Wife by William Witcherly, which is a comedy of manners from back in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. You know, they can afford to do those kinds of shows. Um, because universities usually have pretty deep pockets. Endowed. Very well um, endowed. And so they can do shows like that. That It gives their students an opportunity to costume and do sets and act in some of these pieces that they wouldn't normally get a chance to be in. Testing right. a more rigorous performance element or something. Right, and they don't have to be constrained by, well, we got to sell this many tickets or exactly. it's not going to work. Well, because the professors say, you have to go to see the show in yeah. order to get a grade in my class. Yeah. Like we've got third, fourth, and fifth period. Attending, it should be full. But uh, but anyway, so I mean, no, we have many many wonderful theater opportunities um, around town, and uh, and then there are some great summer concert series, not just in Hilliard. Um, Westerville does one. I think Dublin does one. Bexley does Dublin. one, and these all tend to be free, and they feature some really talented local musicians. So. After such a long career and a career spent largely in one place, how do you sustain momentum year over year to to keep delivering this kind of this kind of slate of performances and in this kind of multi multifaceted arts center? I think part of it honestly is that it is my husband's and my legacy. And so when I leave this earth, I want to leave secure in the knowledge that the Hilliard Arts Council is going to still be around. Um, My board has been after me to do some succession planning because they said, Robin, you're not going to be doing this, (laughs) you know. Or at least not in the same way. No. And so, you know, I have given that some thought. Um, but, But, you know, when Ken... And I first conceived of the idea of the Arts Council. We started small. We had we did Messiah and we did a summer musical, and that was all we did for years. And then, you know, when I retired and I had more time, then we added some more plays. And it was always his vision to have our summer camps, which, by the way, are almost sold out. Um, mm. We have that's an edu- an educational component. Uh, we have two visual art camps, two weeks of that, plus. Um, an improv camp for 7th, 8th, and ninth grade kids, and um, two musical theater camps for 4th, 5th, and 6th graders, and an introduction to theater camp for 1st, 2nd, and 3rd graders. Wow. And they're almost sold out. Um, they're, they're like, I think we have 40 kids in each camp, and um, they're pretty much almost done. So that, that's all part of the original vision. 
and adding the visual art component and bringing in people that really are devoted to that, you know. So I get excited when we, you know, keep expanding. That's why I loved getting that petition from kids saying, you know, we want to keep doing shows together, you know, can you help us? So that lights a fire under me and says, oh, okay, this is something new that we can do. It's not same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go to New York City at at least once a year, if not twice, and see as many shows as I can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them I think, ooh, like the prom. I saw that in New York and thought, wow, I, I we could do this show. Right. And, you know, uh, same thing with Something Rotten, which we did a couple of summers ago. So, you know, that's... That's the other thing that keeps me going is wanting to bring some new stuff. Sometimes I like to be the first theater company in Columbus to do something, which we were with Les Mis. We were the first amateur theater company to do it. And to really try to touch that energy, you get a little bit of that wired, excited feeling, that risk-taking, but also at the same time, that's what keeps it it, uh, thrilling. Yep. Very, very fun. And uh, we've got some ideas about different methods of presentation that we're going to talk about after we click off the air here. Uh-huh. Uh, but is there anything in the way of presentation in, in modern theater staging that this is just something I'm curious about because technology seems so pervasive and invasive, but I've managed to hold it off at my rolling pin donut shop <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. Um, what kind of incorporating, uh, what, what, things are exciting what things are not exciting what is thrilling to theater folks as far as technology and, and new developments and new new stagings and new ideas and what's more mm, take it or leave it well one of the things that i've noticed because i see about a play a week um hmm. and i go all over columbus to see these plays is that um and we did this with mary poppins and i suspect we will do it more um our, our projections everybody's doing projections because of the technology so now you you can you know upload um slides uh, you know the fiddler on the roof production i saw at gallery players had a little what looked like a little village back in the day and the little cottages actually had smoke coming out of the chimneys that moved mm. Um, you know, so some of that kind of technology is really exciting, um, uh, as far as adding, you know, making scenery more flexible. We used projections for Mary Poppins that was, you know, I thought, so that's one thing. Um, I don't know that AI has completely invaded the theater space yet, um, I expect it will at some point, but I'm not sure how, um. It's yeah. not something I'm necessarily excited about, but, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I suppose combining AI with projections, um, like if you were doing, there's a play called And Then They Came For Me, which is a Holocaust play, um, and it um, has projections and video from the past. Well, so if you had some AI that you know, you could use to recreate some of those scenes that could enrich the, the scenery. Uh, that, that I could see, but I'm, I, you know, everybody seems to be talking about it right now. In the, world, in the world of a community theater where every dollar counts, it could be very tempting and could be very exciting to be able to take some of these tools that can do a lot of this work, 
but at the same time as arts uh, appreciators and and true you know people who hold the arts in in a form of reverence it's got to be difficult knowing also that there's all these conflicted uh things that go into the construction of these AI systems, how they scrape information from the internet and reconstitute people's right. uh, own art for your use. That's fraught with a lot of difficult decisions and, and you, and not knowing everything from the ground up makes it even more difficult. So well, and there's just another thing to navigate as an art Landmines on that, you know, because you don't want to co-opt somebody's, work and not and not you know so you know i don't want to end up with a lawsuit because you know we used some ai thing you know so right uh, i'm probably going to stay away from that for a while until it you know progresses but um but that you know so i i have noticed that lately a lot of theater companies are using projections and i just thought that was interesting right um, short, and, you know short north stage used it for color purple um you know it's just everywhere seemingly yeah. So, well, this has been another wonderful chat. Oh, thank you. I always enjoy it. If there's anything that you would like to hype right away, or that needs incoming, or that's a, an oncoming deadline or date that you would like to get out to our listenership, something that's immediate or impending that you would like to promote. I know you've got auditions coming up in March. I think it is uh, March, but... right? And that you know, because Nemo is selling like hotcakes. Um, okay. In fact, if you want to come see Nemo, you better hurry. Right. Um, but um, I yes, we do have auditions for Crimes of the Heart coming up March sixth and March 9th and yes that's an adult you know cast um so I would love to see some some local talent come audition for that um and uh if you like to sing uh our first adult choir rehearsal is March 17th at five o'clock at Hilliard Presbyterian Church um Leap Road Hmm? Leap Road Yes, on Leap Road. Um, no auditions necessary. Just if you like to sing, just show up and we will find a spot for you. Very good. Um, so. Very good. Thank you again for oh, joining us this thanks evening. Thanks for asking. Oh, of course. Uh, the second of what we hope will be many uh, appearances. Guys, did you have anything you needed to ask Robin before we let her go and continue on with her evening? We covered a lot of ground. We got a lot of things in we today. Got a lot of ground. <laughs> feel like we did a lot of good work. Thank, Thank you again, you. Robin. And thank you out there in listener land. If you'd like to support us and Kevin Corvo's ongoing mission to deliver community reporting here to you in Hilliard, Ohio, of the kind and style you deserve, please consider supporting us at the Hilliard Beacon. You can do so at any of the variety of levels we offer, $5 a month, $55 for the year, or a nearly $200 founding membership, which we really appreciate. Thanks again, folks out there. Uh, We will see you next time. Goodbye.